Howdy Wild Detectives. Howdy. Hey! Thank you so much for joining us for Inner Moonlight on this extremely steamy evening. Inner Moonlight is the monthly poetry series right here at the Wild Detectives. I'm Logan Cure. I'm your host. We are also a podcast, so that's what this beautiful device is doing. It is recording the audio. Tonight, you can find the Inner Moonlight podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the places you get your podcasts. So how tonight will run, we will have one featured poet, Candy, who I am super, super excited about. Um, you're going to see me fangirl over Candy all night, and I hope you can get on my level. After we hear from Candy, we will have a brief intermission, during which time I will gather names for our open mic. The open mic is a short list. It is one poem per poet, so you got to bring your best. But I know you've got a poem like in your pocket or on your phone or one you like low-key have memorized. And I dare you to be on my list. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce our feature for tonight. Candy is a Dallas luminary. She has been writing and performing poetry for over 28 years. She made the 2007 Dallas Poetry Slam team and to date has been on 15 Poetry Slam teams. She's the first woman to coach 10 and she is the current CEO of the Dallas Poetry Slam organization. She is one of the lead instructors for literary arts in DFW school districts. She's a learning partner for Big Thought and the owner founder of the Poetella International Literary Festival, which is next month. So get excited for that. She is the author of a poetry recipe book, Heirlooms, a spiritual chapbook, Sherry Sanctuary, and the subject of tonight, Oak Cliff Hangers, Stories from a Snow Globe. Please welcome Candy. Yes, hi Candy. Hi Logan. I am so, so excited that you're here. <laughs> Thank you for coming out. Um, so I start every show with asking my guest to tell me something good. So what's okay. good? That my son's father took him away for the whole summer. <laughs> they were on a whole cruise. My son is in to Mexico, and I have been sitting here in Plano, Texas. But I have had my house to myself for the entire summer, so that's a great thing. That's beautiful. Yes. That is awesome. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so I always have to share a good thing myself, and my good thing is also uh, kid related. I have a four-year-old, and Yay. she's learning to swim this summer. Aww, that's uh, sweet. It is cute as hell. It yeah, is cute. <laughs> yeah. Just throw them in the water. <laughs> she's having a great time. So I am so so excited to hear your work tonight. Please read some poems for us. Absolutely. I'm gonna do three in the first set. Is that okay? How are you all doing? It real feels 104, right outside. I would like to, first of all, thank Wild Detectives. That's been a pillar in the community here for a while. The writers, Garrett, Aaron Glover, who is the executive director who is here in the audience, and of course, Logan Cure, for inviting me to come speak with you all because I am crazy. Can I cuss or no? Yeah, I'm crazy. So, I am born and raised in Oak Cliff. Yes, yes, and look at me now. I am sitting up here performing in front of you well-rounded individuals, but I am a hood bitch. I am a mother of a 17-year-old child. His dad is from the south side of Chicago. I'm from the south side of Oak Cliff, and he speaks proper English. 
<laughs> he was raised in the Carrollton Farmers Branch District. I got my ass out of Oak Cliff. However, I'm so thankful to be here. Thank you, Logan, for that wonderful introduction. It is all true. Um, but I'm just going to read my first a couple of poems. I'm going to do one from memory, then I'm going to recite two. So I am an interactive poet. I see that we are all adults. How many people are married? Four of us. Okay. Well, four of you all. Divorced. Oh, congratulations. We, I have a poem for us. Baby mamas, baby daddies. Oh, God, because not, we're not having kids. This is awesome. This is a great crowd. All right. I'm going to take y'all on some relationship parent shit. Is that cool? I think it's time I wrote a love poem for you. You asked me if I loved you, I replied yes. You then told me that I never showed you, so it was hard for you to trust me, so let me tell you how much I loved you. I loved the smell of your mistress perfume so much that when we made love, it was her face I saw every single time. I loved your back. The way your shoulder blades were planted like skateboards, so I never fully trusted you to keep me stable. I longed for your kisses. They reminded me of cheap vodka, stung my lips, tainted my tongue, burned my heart, and then made me vomit. I would tell my hair follicles to fall off and then clean them in my eyes. You could do no wrong, so I attempted to kiss the very ground that you walked on, hoping that the dirt in my mouth would taste better than these lies you forced down my throat. I loved you so much that I was your crucifix, and you were my stigmatic silhouette. And at times, I wanted to take the thorns off every rose you gave me, make a crown, and press it into my flesh and sweat all of the orgasms you, you gave the women you placed before me. You could do tic-tacs on my back because your tongue was like a whip that cut into my flesh every time you spoke down to me. The hands, the dirt in my wrists and my feet were mirrors to your thoughts. I didn't know you wanted me to feel your hurt. I began to bleed tears that would fall into my hands and turn to salt. I used them as medicine on the scars you left, hoping that the intense pain would leave burn scars on what you left me. You humiliated me, so here is your communion. Every night, I want you to drink my forgiveness, taste and digest my miserable memories, and do this in remembrance of me. I didn't know I made you so unhappy, but I loved you. Yes, I loved you. I took all that pain. I held my head up, looked you into your eyes, and said, it is finished. Thank you. Then I started cheating on him. That was when I realized it was time for me to go, but we're good friends now, we're co-parents. Are you, are anyone co-parents out here? <laughs> Only two, and, and maybe, you're, you're a maybe, like sometimes when the weather's right, okay? <laughs> I am 41 years old. I know, hard to believe, right? Y'all can say, no way, Candy, you don't, no, I'm kidding. I know, it's okay, it's okay. And um, it is extremely hot in Texas. I'm born and raised here. Sometimes when you're a woman and you're experiencing life, you kind of go through things. So I was married and I had a divorce and we became co-parents. So I got that out of my system. I literally wrote that poem like 10 years ago. I'm good. But I recently published a book. It's called Oak Cliff Hanger, Stories in the Snow Globe. I only have two copies tonight. However, you can purchase the book online at deepvellumpublishing.com and I will sell these two copies tonight. Um, and if you wanna just cash out me for just a bitch just needing to get through the summer, um, I'm good with that. I had the awesome opportunity of doing my first TED Talk. Um, after that, that's rough. 
And I had to do a women empowerment piece, but I decided instead of women empowerment, I would do women repowering because I feel like we're already empowered, right? So the second piece I'm going to read to you is called Self-Reflecting Part 1. And this is for all the women and anyone who identifies as a woman. It is today that I have just learned what being a woman means, the hurts, the love, the scars, the death, the life, the body, the mind, the spirit. It is today that it hit me that I am the I in universe. As bold and as free as I thought I was, the universe did not spare me when it was time to shift. The attacks came for me, for my mind and heart. Because when you are going to the next level in your life, you have to defeat the weapons that are thrown, but you must know they cannot prosper. We are connected, Earth's daughters. We carry the sun in our chest. We have specific instructions to hide this light well. We are fighting shadow men. We are fighting for our right to shine, to take this light and remove all the dark from this world. The gift of life has buried itself within the scars of our birth pains. Stretch marks that carried a map for the lost ones, a compass carrying generations of people. Women are gods, healers, commanders of the universe. Our backs have been bridges. Hard, stitched together, made of bamboo, light, but stronger than anything this society has tried to pass over us. And woman, I see you, dirt under your nails, hiding the pride of your husband's insecurities, the blood and bone of your sons. How I'm still learning how to be protected to a black boy, praying he never shares a cross with a rabbit. I have seen my grandmother's reflection in the shine of wooden floors, kept roofs over our heads by any means necessary. To witness severed breasts, cancers, that sucked the life from my aunt, a little girl born in the desert of Oak Cliff, Texas, the odds stacked against her now carrying the tears of other brown and black girls in her smile. And I tell them, we come from women who don't apologize, who swallow a man's fist and did not choke. And my sister knows this too well, waterboarded. His knuckles made imprints on her face, shotgun forced down her throat and repeated, I will kill you. She gets triggered from loud voices. Her body has become shield and sword. And like most women, her tongue has taught itself to fold within, to not speak up or out and protect her abuser. I know women whose hands turn Brillo pads, scrubbing a better life for their families. And these are the women I come from, who have gathered, who have gathered their trials, stories, hurts, and buried them in their alabaster box who grabbed a dying thing and told it to walk, breathed life into it, gave it wings, told it to fly. I know women who are fearless, brave, unapologetic, heroic, courageous, and they will always live within me. Thank you. I am really not this depressing in person. I'm really not. I'm happy, I'm happy drunk, right? What are y'all drinking? I see some beers and some, what else? Oh, oh my God, that is like my favorite drink in the world. Some wines or champagnes, you keeping it light? Yeah, rough day. I had a rough day today. I've been working with kindergartners through fifth grade. And these are not the children Whitney Houston was talking about. These are not the children of our future. Uh, these are different, these are different. I always, I said these are children from the Sparrow Academy. Okay, y'all get it. My Umbrella Academy people get it. Okay, so <laughs> I, I'm not this depressing, but I feel like, I don't know, should I keep going or should I do something a little light? 
Okay, because y'all are drinking and y'all are going to be just like me when we get done drinking. I get it. Okay. Uh, real quick, my father is here tonight. This is my dad. He doesn't look like my father, but he is my father. He was born and raised in West Dallas. That is now Trinity Groves. They gentrified that shit, didn't they? The projects are gone. He was raised in the projects. But um, he lives in downtown Dallas now. And it's, I'm so thankful to have him here, um, my dad, supporting me. Um, he's a real artsy person, so he's, like, really in the know. We got Puma on tonight, so go figure. <laughs> so I have a 17-year-old son, and uh, his name is Quentin. And he's, I think he's a prodigy. He's either a prodigy or a little slow. I don't know, but he's somewhere in, in the spectrum. Um, I think he's a prodigy, though. Uh, this is for him. My son, Quentin, is 17 years old. We found out about four years ago that he can play four instruments by ear. His favorite is the viola. String instruments seem to be something he clings to. He tends to pluck the strings before he applies the bow to make sure he is in tune. My son is smart, intelligent, and we wonder which part of the family tree he will embody the most, like his mother, a poet, his father, a comedian, his grandfather, a preacher, a musician like his uncle. Then I think maybe he will be a crack addict like his grandmother, drop out of school at 16 and struggle like his grandparents with no high school education. And these are his generational curses. Uncles who are manic depressives, who have made love and death with the same hands, plaster semen in open wounds, conceiving bastard like his paternal grandfather, be a rolling stone that rolls stone. Or who develops insecurities like his father, that breaks glass when he gets upset because as a child, all he saw was broken glass. South side of Chicago only provided peace that sounded like fists against cracked window panes, skulls that carry crowns beaded with shards of glass and broken beer bottles, crowned thieves and gangster disciples. Rites of passage says, they will place this crown up on my son's head and this will be his circle of life. Lifted on his mountain of broken dreams, overlooking a promised land that he will never have the knowledge or opportunity to reach. And no wonder, the first song he learned on his own was over the rainbow. And as parents, we bring our children into this world and pray for them that they live better lives than us. And this day, longer lives than us. Don't make the same mistakes that we made, but he always and already has a habit of breaking promises. Like, mama, I promise I will clean up my room. Mama, I promise I would do good in school. And maybe he won't grow up to be a liar or like me, a woman who wears pride like foundation only covering up the flaws that are imprinted into her skin. But I've learned how to wear this skin well because like me, he was born two weeks late. So folks like us are always playing catch up with this world. And I tell him, son, your destiny don't change. You do and you were predestined in my womb. And I believe it's God. if God is in me, he's got to be in you. And the truth is, I can't take you to heaven with me even if I wanted to. He practices on his viola hours in a day to perfect an imperfect thing. And maybe that will be his way of being generationally cursed with every note, sound, and vibrato. He will break every chain. He breaks every chain. He's broken every chain. My son will not be on drugs, in jail, a murderer, a manic depressive, an alcoholic, broke, crack addict, a teenage father because he's 17 years old. He's smart, intelligent, maybe a prodigy. He just can't grow up to be just like us. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was beautiful. 
Thank you so much. Yes, yes. So um, those poems, as you know, are from Oak Cliff Hangers, Stories from a Snow Globe, which is such a beautiful title. Thank you. Um, so tell me about how you came to the title and the play on words there. So I'm born and raised in Oak Cliff, and I wanted to create a book for girls and boys who looked like me and who was born in the city or the town that I was born in. And the stories in a snow globe is when you're born in Oak Cliff, like myself, it's considered the hood. I was born in the hood. It wasn't rich. It wasn't poverty either. But uh, it was, you know, we, we had our different things that we saw growing up. And you're stuck. That's where the snow globe comes from. It feels like you're trapped. And when I'm working with the kids in the city now, I don't think they ever think that they could be greater than what their environment tells them. So I felt like... I never knew I was going to be able to do a TED Talk. That's unheard of, right? And um, to be able to travel the world and perform. So that's why I came up with the title. And all these stories are about me and my experiences growing up in the community. Beautiful, beautiful. So you were telling me um, that the content of this book is actually with your young students in mind. Yeah, um, and teens and tweens, actually. That's really beautiful. So can you talk more about how you arrived at that decision? I mean, poetry can take on a whole range of very difficult topics, right? And having an audience in mind helps you to figure out like how to talk about those things, right? So I think this is a really fascinating choice that you made. Um, so, so tell me how you arrived there. Yeah, so um, we have different organizations like the Writers Garrett um, in our community and they focus on like wins, right? Writing in neighborhoods and schools. So it gives the poets like myself an opportunity to be teaching artists and we go and work with these children. I didn't want to be a poet that didn't have poems for kids, especially the 12 through 18, because they're our youth, they're the future. So my first book was a little bit like, okay, I'm an adult, I'm gonna get it off my chest. But the second one, I wanted to make sure it was clean. The poems you just heard, I can read that to any age group, especially the one about my son. And my son read it. at. 15, I wrote this, this book was out in 2020. He read it, he said, wow, I really like this. And he was 15 years old. And that's when I knew I had a good product. Yes, yeah, that was actually another question I had for you. Um, it is bold to write about real people. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> um, so I wanted to know if you had any reflections on that experience, writing about real people and then having that book come into the world. I, I shy away from certain people. Um, it's still very hard for me to write about my family because I don't want to lie or try to sell them for money. Does that make sense? Yeah, like yeah. sell your family. Oh, let me talk about this really experience I have. My, no, um, but my son was easy to talk about because he still hasn't done anything. And I'm always in fear that he's gonna write a poem about me. He's gonna be one of those kids like, mom, you dragged me on these poetry shows and I hated it. I'm, I'm preparing myself for that, by the way. But it was easy to write with my son. I have a poem in that book about my divorce with my ex-husband, which was so easy for me to write after we forgave each other. Yeah, it was healing. I have a poem by my mom um, that I was able to do that she's heard. And so it was just me telling her story. So it made it a lot easier for me to talk about real things in my life. And it made it easier for my audience to relate to those things because we have those situations that sometimes, even the first poem I did about uh, me being in a verbal abusive, he wasn't physically abusive, it was a verbal abusive relationship, but to be, I had people come to me in tears and say, wow, I, I've had that happen to me, or I can relate and thank you. So that's why I started writing those pieces. Yes, yes, beautiful. Um, yeah, and you're right, it can be 
tremendously healing um, for both the writer and the audience yeah um, to have that sense of like connection your book is so so beautiful it deals with all the things you've mentioned and so much more and I think everybody here should buy that book you should be one of the people that gets one of the two copies that Candy has maybe I can auction um, it off <laughs> <laughs> but I do think the Wild Detectives stocks Deep Vellum books pretty regularly so there should be more copies inside and I would love it if you would read some more poems for us absolutely oh yeah definitely right now yes right now whoa Woo. <laughs> well thank you Logan so I don't feature anymore in ever in life. I don't feature anymore. So this is the first time I've been on a stage in front of people like this in this capacity in two years. I made that decision because I just, I'm so busy doing other stuff. You know, you just kind of grow out of it. So if I come across a little rusty, it's because I don't feature. However, I do have to promote my organization. I am the CEO of Dallas Poetry Slam. Clap for that. Founded by Clebo Rainey in 1994, and now owned by Candy. And speaking of Clebo, if you all are ever, or if you all have ever been in the Dallas area, we're doing a tribute for him August the 13th. Uh, and um, he's older now, but he is the reason Dallas Poetry Slam exists, and he is an iconic person for the Dallas poetry and literary arts community. So with that being said, every Friday, every single Friday, we have an open mic. We have our stuff uh, in the downtown Dallas area. You can follow us on all the social media outlets. So I perform for kids now, which makes it hard because I'm trying to like save my cuss words. So I consider myself a narrative poet, which means I have just become great at telling other people's stories. I'm not gonna bore you with my life and my divorce because nobody cares. However, I do like to tell a couple of stories about some people in history who I feel like were important. A letter to Carolyn Bryant. Mrs. Bryant, did you know I never learned how to whistle? My dad tried to show me once. He could whistle well. He would put his lips together and create the most beautiful melody your ears ever heard. It just never came easy to me. I envied the way most people could do it flawlessly. I guess in my opinion, whistling was a boy's thing. Not that I didn't think girls could do it, but in my life, I've always seen boys whistle. Miss Bryant, I have a 17-year-old son, and I was hoping he would never learn to whistle, but he's so ambitious. Big eyes, huge smile, kind of reminds you of a young Emmett Till. It's amazing how a simple melodic form of communication can mean the difference between a getting a good night's sleep or drowning in the Mississippi River. How when the tongue tip is lowered, placed behind lower teeth and pitchy by varying the position of the tongue, can look like bullet hole in hair, broke collarbone asphyxiation, Mrs. Bryant. You stood five feet tall, no more than 103 pounds, a beauty queen, a high school dropout who married a racist, and I guess a harlot need love too. Isn't that what you long for, to be looked upon by shiny black boys with hazel eyes as you seek the attention your husband never gave you? But I've been there, Miss Bryant where you would do anything to make your husband jealous, and surely you wasn't going to let this nigger child get away with whistling at the likes of you. That boy had to pay. The rush you had as your husband killed in the name of love. He fought for your honor. How is your hiding place? Does Emmett's ghost still whistle at you while you're sleeping? Have you been baptized in the Tallahatchie River yet? 
Do you wash your hair with his mother's tears? Can his razor tongue still cut through your pride? I want to know how you sleep with yourself. You murdered someone's little boy. You murdered all of our sons, my son. How does it feel being on death row for 60 years? Trying to wash the blood off your hands. His scream permeates through your bones. I can still see his face in the open casket. His mother said she could look through the hole in his head and see daylight. His lips still in the form of an O. And if you would have listened, you might have heard the most beautiful melody in your life. But we haven't seen your face, haven't seen your children. How are they? Your boys, do they have grandchildren? Do you watch them play and wonder how they would look bloated in muddy waters? Have you tried teaching them how to lie with their eyes? Have you taught your daughters how to murder, how to wear short shorts and flaunt long legs and killer tongues? Have you taught your children how to get away with murder? Because we are all just a Carolyn Bryant's there and an Emmett Till's whistle away from death. By the way, my son whistles well, but I am teaching him. And if he ever walks into a grocery store and gazes upon a white woman in admiration to remember Emmett Till and gawk up all the beatings, the shootings, the drowning, acquittals, murders, and lynching to take his lips, stretch them wide like 400 years of oppression and say, thank you. Well, this book is deep. I didn't realize how deep it was, so I started reading it, Logan. I think, do I have another book in that? In that uh, do I have a pink book in there, Aaron? I'm like, I need something light. Y'all need something light, don't you? I think it's time. I think it's time. Okay, I think it's time for a little something light. Gee, this cat is so beautiful and so creepy at the same time. This cat just did a runway. Does, does this cat belong to anyone? Does anyone the owner of this cat? Is this Wild Detectives cat? Wild Detectives. Okay, this cat did a whole runway across the stage and said, no, bitch, it's my feature. But he or she is so beautiful. Oh, look at it, so beautiful. Really? Oh my goodness. This cat says, this is my space. I'm allowing you into it. Um, I'm, gonna get, I'm gonna do something a little light. Let's, let's, let's do it light. I've been so deep in stuff. It's, it's, it's the vodka. I'm very honest. When you're a mother of a 17-year-old, you drink. Have you, I, I'm, I'm in my 14th, I'm in the fourth season of Ozark. Why am I watching this? I don't know. And I'm thinking to myself like, oh my God, I need to go get into a, with a drug cartel. My kitchen is hot, steaming hot, and my crock pot is overflowing with tiny dremets of my legs. Now I'm feeling you, but I have to ask you, can you handle my soul food? I'm talking about thoughts flowing through your mind like greens and yams, after a long day, if you give me five pieces of fried chicken, I will satisfy your taste buds to the point you be begging me not to leave. Lemon meringue, pecan pie, the pound cake mix is flying. As you lick me up and down, my sweet juices taste like a sour cream cake with cream cheese icing. Sock it to me, baby. Yes, uh-oh. <laughs> and as you lick me up and down, my sweet juices taste like a sour cream cake with cream cheese icing. Sock it to me, baby. Yes, I'm feeling you, but I have to ask you, can you handle my soul food? Now, you see I'm picky. I can't deal with Italian meatballs with Parmesan cheese or chicken Alfredo mixed with shrimp fettuccine. That's just not me. And I took a trip south to the border, but the taco shells were hard. The tortillas were flaky. And even though I am a freak, the pico de gallo and ground beef and just made me feel like a lady because I'm special. Now some piece of sauteed fish and vinegar and oil. You see, I like cornmeal, hot water cornbread. Land me down on a bed of chicken and dumplings. See, now we can do a little something, something. I need some turkey and dressing, love it with ghibli gravy for a covering cranberry sauce on top of the roll to top it off. The kind of love that'll bring tears to my eyes after I realize somebody just ate my sweet potato pie. 
Yes, I'm feeling you, but I have to ask you, can you handle my soul food? Not some sweet and sour chicken out for two bites. I still need a quick fixing. I want you to make love to me as I imagine a sweet taste of peach cobbler topped with homemade vanilla ice cream. Corn on a cob, black eyed peas, meatloaf, potato salad, and potato bread, because that's my equal. You need to be fed because we're colliding together like some Jiffy Mix and vitamin D milk with a little sugar to conceive cornbread. <laughs> Isn't my love grand? And my love is good. My caramel cake would be so sweet if I didn't have you. That's why I have to ask you all. Can you handle my soul food? Thank you. Now, if your mind went anything past food, that was you. You're the freak. I was talking about food the entire poem, was I not? So if you started thinking about something else, you're the dirty one, not me. I don't know yet what poem I'm going to uh, close out with tonight. Unfortunately, I do have two books. They're only like 13 bucks or 12 bucks, really, this, these are not expensive. You can go online and find them, um, or you know, if you wanna cash at me, I can make sure you get your copy. But I have to do this piece, the book is called Oak Cliff uh, Hangers, and this poem is called Oak Cliff, that's my neighborhood. And I wrote this poem because I grew up in Oak Cliff. Anybody else from Dallas? See, you from Dallas, we're part of Dallas. From Oak Cliff area? Anybody else? So everybody here, it's safe to say it's from another state or city. And that's what Dallas has become, a melting pot. And one of the issues I have is it's a melting pot and people come from all over to come into my kind of hood and they change it. So when you Google Oak Cliff on Google, it's like, oh, it's pie emporiums and it's this great area. And I'm like, I don't remember that shit when I was growing up. Um, so this is my piece. <clears throat> For Siobhan Randall, a 13-year-old girl found murdered in a trap house located in East Oak Cliff, a town of Dallas, Texas. I can still smell the dirt white sugar. It would harden after the sun made a hot plate of my face. My cheeks smoke, smudge, not rosy, black and red, a palette of licorice and Jolly Ranchers. My mother would later call this a motley look, not becoming of a young girl whose hair she pressed with a hot comb the night before. As a kid, snow cones, jump rope, and a water hose were our passage rights in the hood. The sidewalks transferred secrets of the night, became undertaker, smuggler, cartel for the night walkers. My brothers drunk communion wine jungle juice from the corner stores. Only two kids allowed in a time, no backpack. That street was Keith's Boulevard. I remember the thief who stared through my window with a butcher knife, a rip through the screen, static on my TV screen. I screamed, he scattered today. This mama says, I made it up. The bellows of the old woman being beaten by her man. Before we knew to call this domestic abuse, we called this none of our business. Oak Cliff was animated like that. Too prideful to relinquish his own demons. The roads aligned with shotgun house jail cells, bars on bars for our safety or slavery, keeping more in than we kept out. The candy house was our first trap. The first storefront cover up for the snow, coke, grit, sleet, we would later simply know this as crack cocaine trap house, defined as a place where illegal drugs are sold and drug dealers commune. On a good day, your mama was in there or your uncle, we just didn't tell grandma. When I was young, this was simply called the dope house. But trap is befitting, seeing how, it, how, seeing how everyone gets caught, how it lures, pins down, make maggot meat of your brains and bones, how the wallpaper be bloodshot red, Oak Cliff, the only part of Dallas where gentrification ran from, unless 
You resided in the white neighborhood. The east and south parts had gravel and glass for lawns. You went to school prepared to fight, got suspended, and whooped when you got home. My grandmother's house got sprayed with bullets. Thank God for the metal bars. The men were waiting for my uncle to come out to kill him. Thank God he went to work that day. Playing outside meant staying on your grass, on your street, in your backyard. Suburbs were for shopping or visiting family that were middle class. Fried chicken and burger joints were what the hood offered you, the inventor of the 99 cent menu. It cost nothing to kill you and everything to keep you alive, but rabbit thieves broke into my daddy's church on several occasions. We called these individuals crackheads. The same sinners he would save would come to the church on Sunday only to steal prayers and pennies out of the sanctuary, literally pennies. But of course, this country brainwashes the minorities to segregate, to divide and conquer and hope we kill each other in the process, and we did, and we still do. White folk left Oak Hill when black folk moved in, then black folk moved out when brown folk moved in, and how American of us. Hood, short for neighborhood, but your neighbor wasn't Mr. Rogers, more like Nino Brown. No one looked out for each other, but everyone looked out for each other. Nine-year-old girl stole my bike out of my backyard. It was either fight to get it back or it was gone, and this is the old cliff no one here talks about. It's 10% theater, arts, eateries, and pie emporiums, and 90% bail bonds, trap houses, and inconvenient corner stores. There were no damn pies in my hood. The only pies had Frito chips at the bottom, chili and cheese wrapped in foil, five-year-old boys being managed, 10-year-old girls pregnant. 20 years later, 13-year-old girls named Siobhan Randall murdered. Body tortured in the same trap house that was on the street that I was raised on. And I can't stomach to drive down it anymore. I see her peeking through the window, screaming for help. I lived in the same city her parents moved to to escape the hood, but they took us back together the day she got murdered. The car ride was eerie. Phones dead, doors locked. I thought maybe this would be the day the cops would pull a black man over for no reason, hoping a tire would blow out. I saw my hood, Wingfield hamburgers. The dope fiend walking down over the road. Oliver Wendell Holmes Middle School. Rudy's chicken, the line wrapped around the building curlers that another child was going to be killed that day. Key Shopping Center, the VA hospital where the first dark rail ripped through our town. We turned on Sunnyvale Drive. I remember Prince Hall Apartments on this street that cried gunshots nightly when I stayed with my aunt. I didn't like it then, I don't like it now. Forced into that same trap house, yes, this one. The one that everyone knew. All of us knew what went on in this house. It didn't smell like fresh bleach my mama was washing clothes with. My brothers wasn't cutting the grass. There were no kids playing hopscotch. I didn't recognize it. The fact that police nor residents didn't do nothing about it. No killers found because them streets in Oak Cliff don't snitch. This is the first time I wish gentrification found a home in my living room. This is the first time I wish my voice wasn't a writing prompt. I wish I would have saved Siobhan. I would have told her that it wasn't bad when I was growing up. I would have told her that I survived. Baby girl, you can make it out the hood. You can blossom into a beautiful poet. Black girl magic really works. That you can be bad and bougie, not dead and dismantled. I would have told her mama, y'all ain't gotta live like this. That we got out that time. There's one more black woman made something out of herself. That Keith Boulevard wasn't a crime scene all the time. That Oak Cliff is just a safe haven for misfits and outcasts when Dallas don't want us no more. 
when black and brown have to coexist, I want to tell Shabon that I'm sorry for leaving and not coming back to save her that time when I returned and it was too late. It was too late. It's too late because she's gone. They found her swallowed by this town, buried beneath the chalk outline right by that Candy's house or Candy's house. I can still smell the dirt white sugar on my face. It was from all the candy I had to sneak and eat, my jaw sticky and smudged, a childhood I will always remember. Thank you. This is a real show. It is, it is, it is. That was gorgeous. Thank you so much. Thank um, you, Logan. I also want to say thank you for being so instrumental in the spoken word performance community in oh, Dallas. Thank you. Um, it means so much. It is such a beautiful art form, and you do it so freaking well. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us what is next for you. This is my favorite question of the night because I have an international poetry festival called Poetella that is coming up the first week in August. It's August 4th through the 7th. I do have flyers here tonight that I'll be giving each and every one of you and it is going to be downtown at the Lorenzo Hotel, which if you've ever been to that hotel, it's all about the arts and every piece of artwork in the Lorenzo Hotel was done by a Dallas artist. So um, that's where it's gonna be. So that's what's next for me. I'm bringing down poets from all over the country, artists from all over the country. We have our Queer Night, which is our Fluid Friday night, which is gonna be so awesome. Um, we have famous poets like Rudy Francisco, Talam AC, uh, Obi West, they're gonna be doing workshops. So please, 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 you wanna get a ticket to some part of this show if you love poetry, if you love literary arts, and if you just wanna support uh, the arts in Dallas. Hell yes, hell yes. So everybody find Poetella. Where can they find Poetella online? At Poetella.com. Again, I have a flyer. It's Poetella, just what it says, Poetella. C-H-E-L-L-A.com. Uh, hell yes. Okay, will you close this out with one more poem? You know what, can y'all clap for Logan Cure? <laughs> and please also clap for the writers Garrett for putting this on. And also please clap for Wild Detectives for having us here tonight. What do y'all want to hear? What do you want me to end with? Do you want light, heavy? What do you want? D, 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 Okay. Deep, deep, deep. Okay, here we go. Oh, I love this piece. Just, I've done, also in the book, get the new book. Um, so, Sometimes I get deep, but I also have to like talk shit and put people in their place because I don't know, for some reason, folks still think when a woman is in leadership that we have no power. And I, I always get undermined by like men all the time and I'm just kind of over it. So anyway, this is my, this is it. This is the one I'm in with. Um, it's those immeasurable times that I've been underestimated that makes being a black woman so damn hard. It's insubordination, misogyny, question after question, answer after answer. It's when I give you diamonds out of my own wound and you ask, why not the moon? It's I'm never enough. Nothing I can say or do is ever enough. I once saw a woman stand on a mountain and preach the gospel and God said it was good. God said, look at me saving the world, saving a poetry community, saving a poet. Poets think they are great, and they are, until you give them a stage, 
until you give them something no one else has offered, a career, a way out, a purpose. Say a poem is a scripture, read, recited, celebrated, but never believed, but my poems are parables. Stories and prophecies, the next level, the backbone and brow, line of a struggle, a story told like no other, and this is the story of my life. Proof in dime and nickel, but woman still told she's a penny's worth. Always overlooked, stepped on and forgotten. Tonight, I release this off of my chest. My son and my mother were having a conversation. My mom jokingly told my son that his father cheated on me, and he was breastfed as a baby. My son looks at me and asks, Mom, is this true? Did my dad cheat on you when you all were married? And jokingly asked why he was breastfed. I told my son, these breasts be the statues for cancer survivors in our family. A breastfed child tastes in the milk of generations and bloodline. And my son, you be a king. But so many men have rolled this breast and still don't appreciate the supple nipple they suck. Compare this tit to another. I told my son, your daddy is human, just like your grandfather and your uncle and my exes and most men who don't know a good thing. But if I can forgive your dad, pray that he finds a woman that can be just as forgiving. Pray that his new relationship be just as religious as your mama's upbringing. For I know that when you measure a person, make sure you measure them right. Taking all the hills and valleys they've been through, the good and bad, the right and wrong. And doesn't it sound like vows, like promises, like poems? And isn't your mama a poem read too fast? This sounds like too much is given, much is required. One of my exes told me that my tongue is too fire, too dominant, but I told him this tongue has licked away problems and started a movement, a movement folks benefited from. This tongue saliva, hydrated poetry careers, fed you when your mamas and daddies didn't, when everyone uses you, but this tongue still be at fault when the words don't fit your narrative, but I am a preacher's child. I have razor sharp teeth. Throw me in a pack of wolves and I will come out leading the pack. I'm a hurricane category five if you piss me off. Been known that you hate us up and spit the remains on a mama's porches or Facebook posts, but I'm more halo than Illuminati, more safe space than reckless damaged poet. I wear my heart on my sleeve and my problems won't post them on social media like most because I want my attention to come from the universe, not the naysayers, not the spectators. Today I learned that the being free is the best gift you could ever be granted. I answer to no one but God. I am the life that gives life. I am living. I am a black woman. Thank y'all so much for having me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That was beautiful and the most fun I've had in a while. Thank you so much, Candy. One more time for Candy. Thank you so much, Wild Detectives. We're gonna take an intermission. Thank you so much to my podcast listeners. I will see you next month.